Hey, this is Pastor Mark. You do not want to miss this week's podcast. You're going to laugh till you cry, but it's good tears. They're good tears. So, man, tune in. Listen to this podcast. It's going to inspire you, encourage you, and, and prayerfully help bring change that you desire in your life. God bless you. Thanks for listening. All right. Good morning. Stand to your feet, if you would, please. Hold your Bibles up high or cup your hand or just do what you do, baby. Say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what the Bible says I can do. Today I'll be taught the Word of God. And I boldly confess, my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. And I will never be the same again. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, you look marvelous. If nobody's told you this morning, you you look great. So proud of you. Thank you for being here. It is a big moment um, for those of you that this you're new to Mosaic. Six years ago, I, I was living, uh, a little over six years ago, living on an island in South Texas. And I uh, thought that uh, me and Jesus would just ride into the sunset together. And that life it was radically different. It was okay with that because when you encounter a crisis in your life, you have a choice to make. You're either going to get better or you're going to get bitter. Those are the only two options. I decided I'd just get better because getting bitter didn't sound a little bit fun. And in getting better, I felt the Holy Spirit impressing upon me to come back to Oklahoma City with some of the finest people on earth and to continue to preach his story and his message because his story and his message changes lives. Our stories contribute to that when we give him glory by responding to his story. I didn't mean to be Dr. Seuss on you, but that, that, I'll use that sometime in the future anyway. So glad you're here and we do celebrate today exactly six years and here we are and still standing, going strong and filling up and so proud of all of you and so thankful for you. Um, I've been doing a series entitled on four don'ts to get what you want or four don'ts to, to your wants. In other words, there are, you know, we always talk about the things to do to get what we want, but there are some things we don't want to do to get the things that we want. And the first thing I talked about last week was don't lose sight of your vision, your purpose, your dream. Uh, believe it or not, every one of us watching online, every one of us in here has something inside us that wakes us up and that drives us or motivates us to get through every day. We have that. Now, it may not be very strong or visible until you begin to breathe on it, talk about it, meditate, and it, it begins to grow and evolve. And the Bible says, without a vision, my people perish. It doesn't say people. It says, my people perish because they lack vision. They also cast off restraint. And restraint meaning discipline. In other words, there are things that are required of us to get what God has offered to us. Sometimes people say, well, I pray, and that's good. But as Paul Yonggi Cho, uh, one-time pastor of the largest church in the world, says, I pray and I obey. So prayer without obedience is simply a conversation. And uh, we want to do more than that and have more than that. Every year in January, uh, people write down, not all people, but many people write down a vision, and oftentimes 
it includes how they want their finances to increase, their bodies to get healthy, to get a promotion. Uh, you know, there's all kinds of different things. And I was a part of the same gym for 20 years before they closed down. And every year I would go in in January and say, okay, how many people, new people have signed up? Because honestly, I didn't want anybody else because I knew they were just going to get in the way. You know, people who are committed to going to the gym are not necessarily committed to using the gym. You know, there was an episode, I don't know if it was Seinfeld or whatever, but it was about the close talker. I tell you, there were people that would go to the gym, and all they do, their exercise was going from one person to another, just talking to them. I thought, the only thing getting stronger in here is your jaw. <laughs> so, you know, and so, they, but about March, about this time of year, the, uh, they began to fade. People gave up on their vision. They didn't, they didn't have it before them. They didn't talk about it. They evidently didn't write it down, but what I'm going to talk about today, they didn't focus on it. Vision is an attraction. When we write it down, we see it, we think, boy, that's a really good idea. Well, it's got to be better than a good idea for you to accomplish it. It has to be something that you, you focus on. The Bi not the Bible, but I've always said repetition is the mother of learning. If you're repetitious about something, you will learn, you will grow, you will evolve. And uh, we all need people to help us focus. There were three sisters who lived together, and they were 92, 94, and 96 years old. And uh, they were close their whole lives, but now they just had the three of them living in the same house. And they were pretty, pretty good shape. Uh, so one evening, the 96-year-old sister said, you know, I told her other two sisters, I'm going to go up upstairs and I'm going to draw a bath and take a bath. So she moseys upstairs and they hear the water running and, and then it turns off and she yells downstairs. She says, I ran the water, but I can't remember if I was getting in or getting out. 94-year-old sister said, don't worry, no worries, I'll come up and we'll figure it out. So she starts going up the stairs and gets halfway up and stops and goes, you know, I can't remember I was going up or if I was coming down. 92-year-old sister to herself says, I sure hope I'm not like them, knock on wood. And she said, I'll be right up after I answer the door. It's great when we work together to try to help each other focus. And we need that kind of help in order to achieve the dream. Now, there will always be people that uh, will try to pull you back down. It's, it's the spirit of mediocrity. It's the, the spirit of I just want to fit in. You were not born to fit in. You were born to stand out. Everybody was born to stand out and give glory to their creator. And so it's very important that we not fall prey to just living life and assuming that, uh, you know, this is just we, we're born, we live, we die. No, you're born with a purpose, and, and your life is to have an impact on other people. And sometimes even the things that you do wrong impact other people if you respond to the wrong in a right way. And so in my life, I figured out that I will never quit on God. It, no matter what anybody says to criticize me, my past, whatever, I'm not going to quit on God. I'm going to do everything God's called me to do regardless of, because there's nobody. Now, you have, some of y'all are around some pretty good people. There are some pretty good people in the world, but they're not perfect. As a matter of fact, what I figured out is good people just learned how to hide their mistakes better. They're, you know, the things you do, they're thinking about it, and they're living vicariously through your behavior. That's it. Eat them up. 
and they smile as you jump into a snake pit. And they want to be there with you to get involved, but they don't want everybody to know their flaws. So today I'm going to talk about keeping focus because every time there's an opportunity out there that you see and you have a dream, you have a vision, every time you have that out there, there will be obstacles between you and the promise, you and the vision, and you and the dream. Last week, I talked about Caleb, and it's amazing to me that we rarely ever talk about the 12 spies who went into the promised land. After 40 years of wandering in the wilderness, you would have thought they would have all been incredibly excited going, you know what, I don't really care who's there, who's not there. I'm tired of traveling for 40 years. I want to go to the place that God has said we, we could have. And, and so when 12 spies, one from each tribe of the 12 tribes of Israel, go into the promised land, and, and everything was just like God said. The grapes were huge. It was a beautiful, lush land. There was one problem. With that opportunity came the obstacle of great giants in the land. And 10 of the spies came back and said, we look like grasshoppers in their eyes. And I would want to ask, did they tell you that or did you just assume that's how you look? Because they took on that mentality, and as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And as you meditate in your heart, the things you meditate on are the things you will live out. They're the things you'll talk out, and you will talk yourself out of what Jesus died you into. Only one voice popped up, and one was quiet but agreed with the voice. Joshua agreed with Caleb when it says, Caleb silenced the crowd. You see, they had lost their focus. They had a vision for the promised land, but after 40 years, they'd lost their focus. They went from being thrivers to survivors. We know how to get by. We made it 40 years. We can survive. Jesus did not die for you to survive. He died for you to thrive. He died for you to rise up in the face of opposition and say, this opposition is an opportunity for me. There will always be naysayers. They're everywhere. You know, I at one point as a pastor, we had 10,000 people. There were just everywhere. And the membership is 10,000 members, and uh, thousands of people attended church every week. And, and I was busy. I'd preach five times every Sunday morning. I wasn't trying to avoid anybody. had about 75 staff members. And, and uh, th then people would come to me, and some of them were on staff, and say, did you hear what so-and-so said? And, you know, I know they won't talk to you. I said, let me tell you why they won't talk to me. You're not going to gossip to me. I'm not going to listen to your trash. I'm not going to listen to you talk about somebody. And I said, so you might want to check your ears and your heart. If somebody's so free to talk to you about trash, you might want to change your baggie and get you a new little bag that says, ain't nobody throwing trash in here. I'm a recycle guy. If it ain't good enough to use again, it ain't good enough to come into my soul. Mm. I don't know if that felt as good to you as it did to me, but that just kind of got me a little shot right there. So, a couple of stories other than that. There's a story of Nehemiah finding out the walls of Jerusalem were collapsed. He was in tears. He went to the king and said, you know, I, I want to rebuild the walls of our city. And it was all about representing God and and so he goes and researches and sees all of the rubble. And let me tell you, when you see rubble, it takes a little more to have vision. But he had a vision and a dream to see the city that, that honored God and represented God to rise up again. So much so that he went into a, a king, a foreign king, and said, we know that you're in charge, but we want to rebuild our city. And the king gave him favor. 
And sometimes that initial favor we get real excited about. But the moment you get favor, know this, the devil's going to bring somebody along to discourage the favor you just celebrated. So he goes, he researches and sees what needs to happen, and he gets the supplies and resources. And needless to say, there were surrounding cities around that were not happy that Jerusalem walls were going to be rebuilt. And in Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 19, it says, But when Sanballat the Horonite, Tobiah the Ammonite official, and Geshem the Arab heard about it, they mocked and ridiculed us. What is this you are doing, they asked. Are you rebelling against the king? I answered them by saying, the God of heaven will give us success. He didn't entertain that thought. He didn't have a conversation with that thought. He immediately referred to God will give us success. You don't have to explain your dream to anybody. You don't have to answer their questions. You don't have to have that conversation. Oftentimes we have a dream and there will always be people who don't believe in your dream. People who don't believe that you're capable or qualified or skilled. But let me tell you, when God puts a dream in you, God will see that dream through if you'll walk it through with him. But we have to walk it out. But too often we start entertaining the criticism and the conversations that would be had, and, and we start listening to the wrong people. I, I have a, a policy in my life that, that I'm going to stay positive, and oftentimes I think through things like when somebody says, how are you doing? I say, well, I'm richly blessed, highly favored, empowered to prosper, walking in divine health, going from glory to glory and victory to victory, but with you praying for me, I'm sure I'm going to get better. When I give, I say, as I bring my tithes and offerings unto the Lord, I'm believing for jobs and better jobs, raises and bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions, growth in business, settlements, estates and inheritances, interest and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, finding money, bills paid off, bills decreased, blessing and increase. Thank you, Lord, for meeting all of my needs that I may have more than enough to give into the kingdom of God. I say, why would you do that? Because i got to stay positive in a negative world. You've got to stay positive in a negative world. And, you know, you've been told not to talk to yourself. I say talk to yourself and even have a conversation with yourself because you can control the whole thing. <laughs> we'll find out if there are really two of you in there or one. But too many people are not talking to themselves and talking their life up. And you say, well, I'm too short, I'm too fat. Isn't it funny that we're not even going to be able to use fat five years from now? shouldn't say fat you should say metabolism challenged they're not elves they're little people you know I tell you if, if I was the least bit overweight I'd say I just want more of me to love not everybody agrees with that I can tell that's it baby take a shot right there we, his servants, will start rebuilding, but as for you, you have no share in Jerusalem or any claim or his, historic right to it. So Nehemiah has this proper, correct response to criticism, to opposition, to ridicule, and whatever else. And think about this. 
The people around you are watching you and listening to you, and, and, and they're going to determine if the God you serve is really real by how you respond to the God of the dream that you have. You think you're only responsible for you, but the reality is we are responsible to be a light shining in a dark world. That we are to let people know that are going through difficult times, you're going to get on the other side of it. I often refer to Viktor Frankl, who endured the concentration camps and Holocaust, came out a survivor, and it's called A Man's Search for Meaning. If you want to read a great book, it's a great book to remind you that your attitude can oftentimes determine where you're going to end up in your life. You say, well, nothing good ever happens to me. Keep saying it, and nothing ever will. Because if it did, you wouldn't recognize it anyway if it hit you in the face. You get to determine your future. Don't stand at the base of the mountain that's covered, casting a shadow on your dream and just meditate. You stand at the base of that mountain and say, get out of the way. I got places to go, people to see, and lives to change. And never, ever, ever use your age as an excuse. And I can say that because I'm 90. I know some way he looks good for 90. I just decided to shift gears. But I can speak to age now because I have some age. And I, I can just tell you every now and then people say, well, you're getting older. I said, no, I, I'm getting wiser. I'm not just getting older. I'm getting wiser. I have determined on my 90th birthday I will bench press my weight. You say, well, that's just dumb. Well, to you it's dumb, but to me it's going to represent I'm like Caleb at 85. I'm as strong now as I was then. Give me the land. And the only people who will try to pull back on that are people who refuse to believe that they're going from glory to glory. Get around people who just provoke you a little bit, irritate you to become better. I'll show you a picture of my gym sometime. I have signs everywhere to remind me when I'm hurting to stay with it, keep doing it. I buy things just to keep me motivated and remind me that age is simply a number. Even God was looking for a little more than that. Nehemiah 4, but when Sanballat and Tobiah, the Arabs, the Ammonites, and the people of Ashdod heard that the repairs to Jerusalem's walls had gone ahead and that the gaps were being closed, they were very angry. Now, help me with something here. Why would you be angry that somebody else is building something that you have no part in and want no part of? Why do we get mad when somebody else is getting blessed? When you see somebody that moves into a new house, is your first response, well, I can't believe it's them and not me. I'm a better Christian than them. You just disproved your point. Better Christians don't criticize someone who's doing well. They applaud them. <laughs> I was looking for a verbal wave. Happy is a choice. Peace is a choice and a promise from God. Joy is a promise from God that we possess and we get to determine. 
And, you know, you say, well, you know, I'm just not happy. And, you know, so-and-so did this to me, and I haven't gotten a promotion. And you're telling me all the things and reasons that you're not happy. And what I want to say to you is those are not the things that make you happy. You're created in the image and likeness of God. You're the apple of His eye. No weapon formed against you will prosper. Every tongue that rises up against you will be defeated. If your enemy comes at you from one direction, they'll have to flee in seven. You're the head and not the tail. You're above only and not beneath. Whenever I'm having a bad day, I just start quoting Scripture like that to remind me I have nothing to pout about and nothing to doubt about. Everything God promised will come to pass. If I'll do my part, God's already done His part. If you're waiting on God to do something, He's waiting on you to do something because He's already done the something you're waiting on Him to do. Nehemiah said, I'm not coming down off this wall. You can ridicule. You can talk. And, and what they were doing, Samballot and Tobiah, they were riding up while every, all everybody's working on the walls, and they were shouting things out. I don't have time to go into all of it, but to try to discourage the workers from building the wall. You know, it doesn't take much for some of y'all to quit. Okay, not you, but there were some people at 930. They're easy to quit sometimes, you know. But sometimes all somebody needs to do to you is, is say, I mean, have you ever had somebody come up and say, well, you look good this week? <laughs> and immediately you go on the defensive, go, what did I look like last week? It doesn't take much to discourage somebody. I can tell you right now, it is a demonic gift that you are not called to exercise. There are people who just simply go around looking for problems to tell people about the problems so they can feel better pointing out the problems. I make it a policy now just to compliment people. I just, I don't even, I can find something to say. You know what I'm saying? Well, you're breathing. Good for you. I am so glad that you woke up breathing today. Man, that's awesome. Tell me about that. What caused you to breathe? <laughs> I mean, just think about it. There's so many things we can compliment people about. But our fallen human nature has such a difficult time of applauding people and just loving people. I mean, if you, your neighbor may be hell on wheels. I don't know. Just go over and tell them you like their wheels. You don't care much for the hell, but the wheels look great. Find something to be positive about and optimistic about and, and to look for. That's when, when you have a dream and a vision from God, polish it, focus on it, and never let go of it. It may take years. I, every time I watch the Olympics and people watch it for the competition and, and, and they, it's entertaining and all that, but you know what I watch it for? I look at every athlete and I go, they spent eight years of their life for five minutes of fame. Some of them never even make TV. You never see them, and yet they gave up. While everybody else is out playing and partying, they're working. They're getting up early. They're disciplined. They focus. Many people have a vision of going to the Olympics, but only those who are focused will get there. Only those who say, I'm going to create a discipline in my life to get the things I want. And if I don't focus, I won't get what I want. So don't lose your focus. 
Nehemiah is sitting here going, I, I'm having to put together rubble, pull out rocks that have been burned and crumbled, and i got to piece them together, and i got to figure it out. And, and while I'm trying to, it, the work itself is hard enough, but now i got these knuckleheads called Sanballat and Tobiah, which nobody names their kid that anymore. If you name your kid Sanballat, that's child abuse. Come on, you imagine, hey, what's your name? Hey, I'm Tobiah. Yeah, that's going to get you a lot of friends. And there's probably a Tobiah watching with my luck. Change your name. But Nehemiah is doing a great work for God as if the great work was not difficult enough. Now he's got people coming and discouraging him. In Nehemiah chapter 4, leading up to verse 7, and when Sambalat and Tobiah heard that we were rebuilding the wall, he became angry and was greatly incensed. He ridiculed the Jews, and in the presence of his associates in the army of Samaria, he said, what are those feeble Jews doing? Will they restore their wall? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they finish in a day? Can they bring the stones back to life from those heaps of rubble burned as they are? Tobiah the Ammonite who was at his side said, What they are building, even a fox climbing on it would break down their walls of stones. I'm just sitting here thinking, okay, so you're an engineer back in this day? I mean, what does he really know? And quite frankly, ask yourself the question, what does anybody really know about you? They don't know your heart and soul. They don't know what you're committed to. They don't have your convictions. And most of the time, the people who get mad at you are the people who are too lazy to do what you're doing. I just said that out loud. People who won't get back up. People who will listen to gossip and criticism. and Stop listening to that. You have a capacity like a computer. You don't want, you don't want to get filled up with junk in your soul. You want good stuff in your soul. People get mad at me sometimes. They'll start talking negative. I say, no, 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 stop. Say what you want it to be, not what it really is right now, because it can change if you'll change the way you talk. Life and death's in the power of the tongue. You need to be careful about what, what you say. You will follow your words, and your words will feed negative thoughts, and before you know it, you'll be down and out instead of up and in. During the whole pandemic and trying to bounce back, and I remember the first weeks we came back and very few people were here. We're doing temperatures and masks and we're doing everything. And I'm thinking, I don't know if this will ever come. But then I, I had to correct my thinking. I thought, devil, this church is going to be stronger than it's ever been. We're going to have more than we've ever had. We're going to see more than we've ever seen. You cannot stop what God is doing. The only person that can stop you is you. You can say, well, my mom and dad did this or they didn't do that. My boss doesn't recognize my skill and my talent. It's all right. God does. And if your boss doesn't eventually get it, you'll get a new boss and you'll get promoted. Quit giving up. Quit talking down to yourself. Quit talking about what's not happening and start talking about what's going to happen because God's going to make it happen through you. Another story of a man who had skin disease named Naaman in the Bible. And he was a, he was a man of power and status. And, and he, had, uh, he had people that worked under him and around him. And matter of fact, they had a servant girl working in their home. And, and she had heard about a prophet who could heal. And she said, I know a man uh, in Israel that can, that can bring healing to your body. And he didn't want to go. And finally, she talked him into it. And he shows up and, 
in the prophet's house, and the prophet didn't even come out. This man of status thought, well, you know, he's going to come out, and this is going to be a big show, and everybody's going to see how special I am, and he's going to come out, and he's going to wave his arm over me, and here's how this is all going to play out, and everybody's going to see it, and it's going to be really neat, and man of God never came out. He just said, go tell him to go dip seven times in the Jordan. Well, Nahum wasn't into that because he said, we have finer water in our land than the dirty Jordan. Why would I go dip in the dirty Jordan? You see, he lost focus. He had a vision of being healed, but he had lost focus. Why he had ridden all that way, taken all the time to get letters from the king and everything that he needed to go to this man of God. And on the way, he had lost sight of why he was going. He began to see what was about to happen as an opportunity for him to be noticed and for this man of God to do this, come out and treat him like he was somebody. Instead, man of God just says, let's go tell him to dip in the Jordan. Well, he said, I'm not dipping in the dirty Jordan. His servant said, well, if he'd ask you to do some difficult task, wouldn't you have done it? Like going and dipping in the Jordan is difficult. Is seven times, not just once, but I think the man of God did it to get his attention. Seven times, in which is the number of completion. And uh, so he goes and he dips seven times. He comes out of the water. And uh, sure enough, the Bible says his skin is like baby skin. It was totally healed. Well, when he got his focus back is when he went and got in the water. He still had a dream of being healed, but he had lost his focus. You see, when you lose your focus, you'll stop doing what needs to be done for the dream to come true. See, I have to keep my focus here, and that hasn't been real easy sometimes on Sundays when we're going through the pandemic, and, and we're coming back, and there are a handful of people were here, and, and, and we're just kind of going, man, we hope we make it. And it would have been very easy had I been young and dumb, but I am older and smarter. Grasshopper. <laughs> uh, And so I went, well, we're just going to keep believing God and doing what God's called us to do. You know, and, and you could say, well, how long were you going to do it until God said not to do it? You see, because I wasn't moved by what I didn't see. I was moved by what I heard from him. Because sometimes you don't see what you hear from him. You have to do what he tells you to do to see what he has for you. And I'm going to give you three questions to ask. This is a very a sermon you can take home, and you need to put this on your refrigerator, on, on your vanity mirror. You need to put it everywhere you can put it and ask yourself these three questions. Why do I feel? What do I feel, and why do I feel what I feel? So I, I feel hurt. I feel neglected. I feel rejected. I feel left out. I feel overlooked. All of these emotions are what begin to drive us to do the things that we do. You know why we have the Bible? Because it's, it's a book of principles of how to respond to every detail in life. Somebody does you wrong, the Bible says, if somebody curses you, bless them. If somebody asks you to go one mile, go two. If they ask for your shirt, give them your coat. God says, here's how I want you to overcome your emotions by the principles I've given you. If somebody mistreats you, forgive them and you'll be forgiven. You see, everything in the Bible instructs us to keep us. So when I ask myself, what do I feel and why do I feel this way? So if somebody is mean to me, which can happen on occasion, I can choose to let it land in my soul or I can choose to go, you know what? I really feel for them because to know me is to love me. 
And some of you think that would be so arrogant, but I know how much God loves me. You should love me too. I know how much God loves you. I should love you too. Why do we hate? Because it's the opposite of what God told us to do. And the devil in our fallen nature appeals to that part of us, and we begin to live our lives by emotion. So the first thing we do when somebody hurts us is we immediately want to hurt them back. Let me just tell you, it does feel good in the flesh. <laughs> oh, yeah, paying somebody back is such an awesome feeling. It really is. I mean, it just makes the flesh just go, oh. But it sabotages God's purpose and dream and call on your life. So you have to go, hold it, i got to get this feeling. I've got, to, I've got to address this feeling. Why am I feeling this way? Because they embarrass me. Now I want them to be embarrassed. Hold it. Embarrassing them is not going to fix the problem. Praying for them and loving them in the midst of it is going to fix your problem. Now they may still have a problem, but their problem is not your problem. See, some of y'all, the reason you help everybody else with their problem because you're ignoring your problem. Yeah, I thought that was pretty good, too. Don't know where that came from. That was not in my notes, therefore I cannot take credit. You see, a lot of folks love fixing everybody else's problem because, you know what, you have an approval addiction and you like it when they tell you, oh, thank you so much. In reality, you go home sad because they're happy and you got a problem, you fix their problem, but now you still have a problem, nobody thinks your problem, nobody knows your problem because you don't want them to know about your problem. So you really have a problem. Now when I have a problem, I don't care if you know I have a problem. I got problems. But the problems are not bigger than the God that solved the problems already through his son Jesus. I wish I could tell you as a pastor, as a man of God, I have no issues in my life whatsoever. I'm so in touch with Jesus, it's just unimaginable. <laughs> no. I got more issue than Kleenex has tissue. <laughs> but my issues no longer control my life. Pastor, tell us about it. No. <laughs> We're talking about his story. My story ain't no count. Okay, so ask yourself, how do I feel and why do I feel this way? Now, I'm not asking for a response out loud right now. So I'm like, I want to be free. Okay, go home, be free. <laughs> What do I feel, and why do I feel this way? Because get real honest with yourself. Why, why would I? There are times now when I ask myself this question, I go, years ago, I could have solved a lot of problems if I would have just asked this question. We don't identify with our feelings. Most of the time, matter of fact, it's safer to ask somebody, what do you think? Because now I can make something up, but feelings often are unguarded. We just somehow can't control them, so we share things. And, and instead of, so now ask somebody, what do you feel? Because most of the time, like I said, we ask, what do you think? What do you think about this? What do you think about that? I want to know what you feel about that. But I want to know what I feel. So why do I feel this way? There are times I've felt insecure. There are times I've felt embarrassed. And I ask myself, why, why do I feel embarrassed? I'm a human being. If somebody sees something or says something, I'm going, I, I, you know, it's all right. 
I, I've, I've learned to address my emotions. The second question you need to ask yourself is what do I want? Because if you can begin to, to, again, elevate the vision and focus and say, what do I want? In order to get what I want, I have to address what I feel. Because I don't always feel like doing what I need to do to get what I want. But when I tell myself, here's what I want, I've got to then sequester the emotions that I'm feeling that are going to keep me from getting what I want. So if you want a a car, I'm going to go real base here and you work, and you, you have a savings account, and, and you, you say, well, I'm putting money in a car account, and you start accumulating funds, but one day you wake up, and you don't feel like doing that anymore. Why is that money sitting there? Let's just go party. You have to stop that emotion and go, hold it. What do I want? Really, what do I want? And that will put that emotion or that feeling in check to go, you know what, I'm not going to do that because I want a car. Now, I, I don't feel like sacrificing everything I've sacrificed. We're not going out to eat. We're not doing this. We're not doing that. And then all of a sudden, you start giving in to your feelings, and what you want doesn't come to pass because you've allowed your feelings to direct you. And if you read the Bible, I don't think Jesus really felt like going to the cross. It, he wasn't like really like looking forward to it. I mean, he's, he's trying to get his disciples to stay awake. He's trying to get them to pray with him. He, he's, he's agonizing. He's sweating as though great drops of blood are coming out of his being. This is not something Jesus could have said emotionally, I'm not feeling it. I don't feel this. But he said, what I want is everybody past, present, and future to know my Father, and I am the way to him, and the only way they're going to get there is by me. So this is no longer about what I feel like doing. This is about what I want to do because I see if I do what I want to do, I see the outcome, and I'm going to do it. So ask yourself what you want. Do you want peace in your home? Well, if you want peace in your home and you expect everybody else to change to bring the peace, you're probably going to be waiting a long time. I hope that's not prophetic. But if you want peace, you can have peace in the midst of that whole difficulty because if you keep your mind on him, the Bible says he will keep you in perfect peace. There can be chaos in your home but peace in your heart. And they will begin to question what medicine you're on. <laughs> Just don't get hungry. They'll know. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Just go with me just a minute. I, <laughs> I thought you were asleep. I just wanted to wake you up. I have found that peace that I have is not the result of what's going on around me. It's what's going on within me. A peace that passes my ability to understand in the face of adversity, chaos, difficulty, in, in the face of Samballat and Tobiah saying, you know, come down from the wall, let's have a meeting. And Nehemiah saying, you know, God will surely give us success. I'm not coming down from the wall. I got a purpose greater than your conversation. 
Naaman saying, you know, I don't want to dip in the Jordan, but I don't feel like it, but I want to be healed. So just because I don't feel like it doesn't mean I shouldn't do it because I want to be healed more than what I feel. So I'm going to go in the water, and what I want is critical. Now ask this question, what am I willing to do to get what I want? What am I willing to do? I've always been an athlete, always, all my whole life, played ball, did the whole thing. And I started getting about 40 years old, and I looked at a picture of myself one time, and I went, oh, no, that ain't happening. <laughs> I was 40 years old, and I looked at that picture, and I went, oh, Jesus. I can't imagine what this looks like at 80. And so that's when I said, I'm changing the way I live. And I did. I have for the last 20-some years. Yeah, I almost slipped. <laughs> yeah, about 10 years. I'm going to add 10 years to my life. Everybody's going to think I look great. And, and never, let me just, this is just a sidebar. Never tell somebody they look good for their age. Because basically what you're saying is you really don't look good, but for your age, you're okay. <laughs> That's just a slap in the face right there. Good for your age. It's a polite way of saying you suck. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> so we, we have to watch our words, you know. Just say, you look awesome. You just look awesome. You, not even for your age. You just look great. Because a lot of people, especially women, you, 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 you ladies are really hard on yourself. And you just got to stand in the mirror and go, yeah. If I put myself out there, they're lined up. <laughs> Since I don't want to cause any trouble, I won't do that. <laughs> uh, for all of you first-timers, it, it doesn't get better. <laughs> this is pretty much every week, so... If you think he's off today, he's pretty much off every week. If this is your version of off, I am off. I decided some years ago that, that I was going to live the rest of my life filled with joy and peace and probably just a little bit across the yellow line, and, uh, but not by design. It's just I just like life. I like God. I love God. I just determined in my life that that no matter what, I'm going to get through whatever I'm going through. No matter what, you're going to get through what you're going through. You're not coming down off the wall. If you need to go into the Jordan and dip seven times, you're going in because the dream and the vision has focus, and you want that more than what you would settle for in life. Go for it. What are you willing to do? Don't ask what everybody else can do for you. Ask you what you can do for you. That's close to a presidential quote. <laughs> but that's about as presidential as I'll ever get. <laughs> well, not with this one. But anyway, um, <laughs> I guess if Fallon can his, air his opinion, I can air mine. All right, so. We need to realize that there's a lot going on around us, maybe more than ever in the history of our life. 
Many people are depressed. Many people are living in fear. Let me just tell you something. The gas prices will never go up beyond God's financial reserve and resources. Never. You can jack them up all you want, and all of a sudden, out of the blue, God's going to bring the provision for you because he said, I'll meet every need you have according to my riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Do away with the fear and just start going, praise the Lord. I mean, matter of fact, you want to really get boastful and brave, just go to the pump, put hands on it, and say, <laughs> take that, sucker. You can have your own worship experience at the pump. <laughs> yeah, sometimes you just need to get happy in places that make you unhappy. And nobody say, I haven't seen anybody go, oh, glory, look at that pump price. <laughs> just have to stay happy. It's a choice. I, I don't like it any more than you, but I just had to decide. I literally had to change my way of thinking. And I, I really have. I just change it and go glory to God. We got gas today. If not, we'll go to Taco Bell. <laughs> Probably should close. You know, <laughs> this has been my, the way I've addressed my life is, most of my life is to try to find things that make me smile, things that make me laugh things that, that put me in the right frame of mind to realize God is not surprised by anything. God's not in shock. God's not worried. God's not fearful. Therefore, we don't need to be. Daddy's home, and Daddy's got it all under control. There's no need to get mad or fearful. Worship, praise, and be happy. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for giving us your son. Jesus, thank you for staying focused. When you were offered a kingdom without a cross, you said no. When you could have called legions of angels to come and rescue you and pull you off that cross, you said no. You saw the vision of the Father, and you stayed focused on it. The Word says that it was with the joy set before you that you endured the cross. You focused on the joy more than the cross. It was joy knowing that if you did what the Father wanted and you were committed to finish it, it would change our lives and the lives of every human being, past, present, and future. Thank you, God. With every head bowed, every eye closed, we want to pray a prayer that would bring you into a relationship with Jesus. The Bible says, All who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And today, it's not about how good you are. It's about how good God is. It's not about the mistakes you've made. It's about the blood that was shed to cover every mistake you would ever make, every sin you would ever commit. And not taking it for granted, but God knew that we would never be perfect, which is why he sent Jesus, that through him we could be forgiven. Through his work, we could be set free. So I want everyone in here and watching online, pray this prayer with me. Say, Father God. Thank you so much for sending your only son to die on the cross for my sin. Jesus, thank you for giving your life for me. Today I give my life to you. I repent of my sin. And I declare today I am forgiven. I am set free. And I'm on my way to heaven. 
Amen. If you prayed that prayer for the first time or to recommit your life, please text the word SAVED, 405 This is for you. It helps us to know that you got saved, and we pray for you. We don't even have to know your name. We just pray, God, these people that gave their life to, to Jesus today, we pray that you'd strengthen them, they'd get plugged into a church, that they'd begin to serve you and worship you, not just accept you, but reflect you. And so that's our prayer for you. Uh, so just text the word SAVE to 405-500-1310. Hello, this is Pastor Mark Crow. I just want to take a quick moment to thank you for joining us online. We hope you have a blessed week this week and get to be a blessing to those around you. I want to invite you to join us at Mosaic Church OKC next week at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. or join us online. God bless you.